you already, but not uh, from all of you. So it's great to be here this evening. I'm Graham, and I'm Jenny over there. Um, and this evening we're just going to share a little bit of what we've been doing in Uganda. So if you were here earlier, I'm afraid it's going to be a repetition of some of it. We're also going to think actually more widely about, about the issue of mission and what that might mean um, to each one of us. We're actually going to start by singing a song, which I hope is familiar to a lot of people, a song that actually leads nicely into the passage we're going to be looking at together, O oh Lord, the clouds are gathering. So we'll stand to sing when the music starts and think about this passage we're going to be studying in a second. Father God, we thank you for this glorious evening again, and we thank you that on this evening we can remember how your glorious cross, Lord, is the one that is, that is exalted, the one that is there to confound all people. Father, just help us now as we think a little bit about you and about your calling upon each of our lives to serve you, Lord, in a mission context, whether that might be here in Oxford or it might be somewhere else. We just ask, Lord, that you speak to each of us this evening. Well, as I said, this evening, I thought I would do a little bit of research before we get into looking at God's Word together about what the tools are that are being used currently in the UK to evangelize people, what tools are being used for effective missions. So we're probably a little bit out of touch having been in Uganda. Um, one thing we come across, Mark, which you do, you can press the, the thing. One thing we come across on the website, the shipperfools.org, is something called the Acts of the Apostles, which for those of you who are iPhones will hopefully know what that is. Apparently, when you download this app, you can shake it at your friends, and it bursts out into the Hallelujah Chorus, a sensitive way to reach your friends for Christ. Is there anything coming up in a minute? Let's see if we can sort this, because most of the presentation is picture-based, so it won't. Passage. 
Page 919. Tom's obviously been reading it. You can hear you say, just before I would die, you've obviously been studying. <laughs> studying that passage before you <laughs> Before we get to that passage, let's just, having been a bit silly, get serious for a minute. My baby died. She was a little girl, just three months old. I was devastated. I held my other daughter so close and I just cried and cried. Then there was a knock at the door. It was a policeman and he arrested me for murdering my child. As I was being led away, I, I had to ask a friend to look after my other daughter. I don't know where her father is. I later heard she was being looked after by the local pastor in the family. I've been here, in prison, for three years. I don't understand why. My baby died of malaria. It was clear for anyone to see. I don't know when my child will be. I seem to go to court every so often, but I don't really understand what happens. I'm in and out in two minutes. I couldn't possibly speak to the judge, not someone like me. I worry about my little girl. I haven't seen her for three years. She must be really tall by now. Well, hopefully you've gathered by now that that isn't a story being told by a British person, though using a British person to narrate it just to make us think about whether we might have a different point of view if a woman speaking was white. That's a story actually that comes from, or a very similar story to what we come across in the work that Jane's doing with the Ugandan Christian Lawyers Fraternity. A testimony of somebody not receiving the justice that they would wish to have or living in a very unjust situation. And I just wanted to use that to introduce the passage that we're looking at tonight from Amos 5. And I want to take you back 2,700 years to the time of Amos. I don't know how much you know about, about his story, about the, the famous passage, the justice passage, passage in Amos 5. But uh, Amos was from a very humble background. He was a shepherd. He was a keeper of fig trees. And yet from this humble background, God called him to, to leave his, his safe home in Tekoa, just south of Jerusalem, and to travel, travel from the southern kingdom to the northern kingdom of Israel with a prophecy. Now, it might be quite strange for Amos to be going to Israel at such a time as he was living. Israel was very prosperous, it was enjoying great stability and economic growth under King Jeroboam at the time. And yet Amos was sent specifically by God with a very clear message. I think of Amos as one of the early missionaries who went, sent by God, to take a message. And the message he was taking to the people was that despite the fact they were being very religious, there was a lot of problems in Israel at the time. Let's have a quick look, just some of the very brief passages here in Amos chapter 5. Now, people were being very religious, but the problem was their worship of God was full of hypocrisy. And actually, so far, was, was a worship from, from what God wanted. If you look at verse 21 of Amos 5, you'll see what God thinks about their worship. These people went to all the different, the different places, the, the, the shrines to worship God, Bethel and Rasheba and Gilgal. And yet God says this, I hate, I despise your religious feasts, I cannot stand your assemblies, even though you bring me burnt offerings and great offerings, I will not accept them. Actually, a better translation of that, that part, I hate, I despise your religious feasts, is God saying, I cannot stand the odours of your sacrifices. 
It is repugnant to me because you're living such hypocritical lives. And the fact was, in Israel, despite people being religious, there were a lot of problems going on. First of all, look at me with me at Amos 5 and verse 10, where we see this disregard for the truth within Israel. You hate, Amos said, the of Israel, you hate the one who reproves in court. Or actually another translation has it as the honest judge. You hate the honest judge. And you despise anyone who tells truth. Problem that we're facing in the courts in Uganda. Have a look at verse 12 with me. Second part of it. You oppress the righteous and you take bribes. You deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Again, the idea there of corruption. And then verse five, uh, verse 11 of chapter 5, read it about exploitation of the poor. Remember, Israel is very rich at this time, and yet the poor were being exploited. Verse 11, you trample on the poor and force him to give you grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. And so we see then that judgment is actually being pronounced. Amos brings a word of judgment from God to the people of Israel. And in fact, that's exactly what happened a few years after this prophecy. We read in verse 2. Fallen is virgin Israel. Chapter 5 and verse 2. Never to rise again. And of course that came true as the people of Israel were attacked. And then carried off into exile. So that's the bad news. But the good news is actually in God's word. Judgment is never God's last word. Always alongside judgment. There's always the promise of restoration. There's always the promise of reconciliation back to God. And that's exactly what Amos came to do in Israel. And we see three times in this passage, in verse 4, verse 6, verse 14, that there's a call to repentance upon the people. Seek me and live, verse 4. And if you want a statement about what mission is, it's exactly that. It's proclaiming Jesus, saying, seek him and find life. Again in verse 6, seek the Lord and live. Verse 14, seek good, not evil. That's why we believe, or we feel that, that we all as Christians should be involved with mission. To proclaim the good news, seek me, seek him, and live. But actually, we recognize as Christians as well, that whilst we're living on this earth, it's part of our calling to try and bring about, or try to encourage God's kingdom values to be seen on this earth. And Amos actually goes further. He says to the people, yes, seek God and live, but also turn away, turn around what you're doing and start living lives characterized by justice. And that's where we find this famous verse which we sang about earlier on. Let justice roll on like a river and let righteousness, that's God's righteousness, come like a never-failing stream. There's quite a bit we want to share with you this evening. So that's the only bit I'm going to say. Normally this is a 35-minute sermon, but I've tried to summarize it into five minutes. But I just wonder if we can take two or three minutes in our groups, not necessarily to do a deep Bible study, but just think about these two questions. About what is mission? Is mission just going and proclaiming God's name? And I would say just only. That indeed is you know, the more part of it. Or can mission be more than that? So just in your groups, at your tables, if you can take two minutes to think about these two questions. Number one, Amos says, seek God and live. Do you? As individuals think that's a good summary of what mission is or mission should be about. And the second question, should responding to Amos' cry about injustice, exploitation and dishonesty also be part of mission, whether here in Oxford or whether we're going overseas?
So take two or three minutes just to discuss that in your groups. Let's go on tangents, great. Discuss other things related to this passage. What I might share is the position that we've come from is we're working for a mission agency, we're not working for a Christian NGO. And so we do believe that certainly going to tell people the good news about Jesus to seek God and live is a huge motivation or is the motivation for what we're doing in our work. But we also recognize that in doing that, we also want to share Christ or love, God's love in all its fullness. And that's why. Perhaps we've ended up in the work we're doing, which has a very practical element to it, but hopefully through that, being able to share God's love about seeking Him and living. So ultimately, that's the only place where life is found. And that really leads us to this next short film clip, which asks us to think about what our Christian calling. We believe that whether you're here in East Oxford or whether you're in Uganda or elsewhere, there are particular things as Christians. about why we're in Uganda. Yes, it's to respond to some of the issues and the problems that we've listed there, but also actually it's responding to God's call to be able to go and do the things that he requires of us as Christians. And that's why we've been called to live and work in a small town called Kisesi, which is about six hours west of Kampala. In a place, a small town, we shared this earlier on, um, where we can get most things, including lots of tomatoes. And what we want to do just now is just to share a little bit about what we're doing and just spend a little bit of time at the end reflecting on how we might respond to God's call in our lives. So I'm going to ask Jenny to come up to share a little bit about the work we're doing. In a former life, Jenny was a lawyer, I was a teacher, and now we find ourselves doing similar work back in Uganda. For those of you who were here earlier, I try not to repeat too much, but I work with Uganda Christian Lawyers Fraternity and our motivation is to reach out to those who don't know Christ, but to reach out also to those who are suffering from injustice, and also to build up the, 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 the body of Christian lawyers in Uganda. My main work, therefore, has been to do legal education within communities, <coughs> pastors and community leaders about the law. These are people who are at the front line. These are people who are almost the paramedics of conflict issues, the paramedics of disputes in Uganda. They are the ones who people go to for advice, who, who people go to to resolve their disputes, to mediate them, and um, who have a real influence in the communities, not only to set an example as to how people should be living, but also to um, really influence through preaching and other ways as to how, how different aspects of the culture which fall short of God's standards can be improved. As well as training people directly, I've had the opportunity to be on a number of radio stations, doing lots of radio shows. When I teach the law, I'm teaching land law and inheritance, marriage, children's rights, domestic violence, and all of these issues together. So we covered all of those things on the radio shows. We are also um, able to access the prisons, 
where I do some self-representation training with prisoners, those who have been accused of minor offences, to teach them how, how to use the court system, how to use the law to protect themselves, how to make sure that they can best defend themselves when their case comes to court. Agabus, who's a guy on the left there, that's his mother on the right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I spoke about him a bit earlier. He's a young man, 18 years old, who was accused of um, stealing a mobile phone and some money in a village. And when I went through um, in the prison trying to train people about how to find out exactly what they're charged with and the, the information, he didn't even know that he'd been charged with a crime that had taken place on the day before Easter Sunday. And so looking back, I was able to say, okay, where were you on Easter Sunday? And he said, I was in Pesetti. He said, where were you the day before Easter Sunday? He said, I was in Pesetti. He said, well, this, your file says that this crime happened in this village away up in the mountain. And he was able to access or get his uncle, who knew that he'd been in Pesetti that day, and then applied for bail, and then ultimately he was found not guilty. So just really small things like that, but helping people access their files um, can make a big difference. Solomon um, is a Ugandan advocate, a great Christian guy. He's a, a Muslim convert, actually. He changed his name on conversion. And he works providing a defence for those who can't, um, who are accused of more serious crimes and can't access a lawyer of their own, they can't afford to. And therefore they don't get their trial because they, the Ugandan law says you must have a lawyer to represent you if you're accused of a serious crime. So they just sit there and wait until the state can find the money to give them a lawyer. Solomon stands in that gap and tries to provide a defence for them. He, we, as I said earlier, we're not making a judgment call on who's guilty and who's innocent. We're simply saying that everyone is entitled to a fair trial and that for true justice to happen, we must have fair trials. But as fair as we can. <laughs> he, Solomon has been very, very busy and he's now increased that number from 140 to 160 now. He's stuff and just spoke to him on Friday. <laughs> when we're not doing that, legal education or, or other work with um, the prison, Solomon and I deal with a lot of drop-in clients who come looking for advice on issues from how to write a will, through to, okay, my brother's trying to steal my land from me, through to, someone's throwing crops on my land, what can I do to, to stop them? And all just, you know, really nitty-gritty kind of day-to-day -day problems that they're facing don't know what to do, how to resolve them. So when there are major conflicts, we do, we do, we can say that we can assist in legal advice and we can assist in facilitating mediation. Um, we can't do anything further than that, but we really try and push mediation because if people can resolve their conflicts without going to court, not only will it save money, it will save time, it will save relationships from being ruined, and it's what Jesus taught us in Matthew, it's what we should be doing to resolve Oh, and we always pray with clients. It's written there. <laughs> I think that goes without saying. Local churches have also drafted me in to help them, um, yeah, give them advice on land registration, on making sure they're properly registered for celebrating marriages, which isn't always the case, and helping the local Baptist Association in Cassetti to draft constitutions, codes of conduct for Sunday school teachers, codes of conduct for pastors, things like that. One way we see to, to fight the corruption that is just endemic everywhere in East Africa is to build up the Christian lawyers, to build up, um, to help them see that their, their job is not just about making money or getting status and having power in the community, 
but it's about serving people also. And it's about, they've been given this education, it's a gift from God, and they should be using that also to serve God. And it's quite an eye-opener for some lawyers, and um, it's really wonderful when you see eyes opened and, and people's ideas changed. Now some of you might be asking, so how on earth is this mission and not just a bit of Christian social action? Well the key thing is that in all the legal education that's going on, everything starts with using the Bible as the basis. So when looking at marriage, first of all it's looking at what the Bible has to say about marriage. What does God say about marriage? And actually the, the workshops which we've done, and sometimes I help Jenny on the less technical side of it, um, everybody comes. Muslims come along, we've got the local imam came along as well to the, service, uh, to the uh, legal education. And this is such a great way of just being able to share some of what God's values are, but more than that, actually what God wants from people. To have lives which are transformed by his, his power working in individuals' lives through his spirit. One way which is very clear which we easy to say we're doing mission is through the Baptist Union's education department. That's who I work for. The mission statement that they have is to empower Baptist churches through their schools to provide quality education based on biblical principles, which is a very noble uh, mission statement to have. Unfortunately, as I shared earlier, a lot of these schools are failing in that mission. They're failing to provide quality education. There's about 100 plus schools we have, but also actually they're failing as well through the Christian discipleship parts, the bit that actually should be quite straightforward in terms of reaching young people. So what I've been focusing on over the last two years, working underneath the Ugandan board, working with both of us directed by Ugandans, we don't do anything unless we've been, been ordered or directed by Ugandans to do it, is working on doing leadership training, both from a Christian point of view within schools with the governors and with head teachers, and also from an academic point of view to try and improve the schools themselves. This is one of the workshops we did on how to, how to keep decent accounts. And again, we start by looking at the Bible, what does it mean to have integrity, what does it mean to be a good steward of the things that God has given us, before moving on to actually looking at the practical sides, how we fill an accounting book. And I'm pretty rubbish at that, but when you talk about the levels of education of some of these people being sort of year 10 level, when they start to teach, then a lot of them do need just some of the basic skills in keeping accounts. Christian discipleship though is a key thing we want to focus in on our schools and in particular to train up teachers to be Christian teachers. That means not just in terms of the curriculum they're delivering, but actually the way they view children, in the way they go about their work, the integrity they have in their jobs. And we're going to have a big uh, training conference in August where we're bringing Christian teachers from all over Uganda to talk about what does it mean to be a Christian teacher. What does it mean to look after the, the children who have been entrusted to us by God and to direct them towards knowing more about Jesus. Some of this can be quite simple, just training people on how to do assemblies or chapel hours that might be able to reach the children in a way that is relevant to them. Most of the time I see assemblies are somebody standing in front and just shouting at the children about how, how you know, they, they need to read some obscure passage in Leviticus instead of actually sharing some Bible stories about Jesus. Those are some of the things that we're trying to do with the schools. That's the big job, but of course as we're all involved in church, it goes much wider than that. And a big part of our work is involved as well in visiting rural pastors and staying with them. Sometimes it's to do legal education, other times it's just to encourage them and to, and to show that we're part of them, that we're all the same, even though we come from a different culture. We're going to have some time for questions, but uh, I think we'll leave that to the end, because we're actually running out of time very quickly. I do want to stick to my allotted time of finishing by 7.30. Um, 
But what I thought we could just do for three or four minutes is, if you're happy to, is just to pray for some of the work that's going on in Uganda, or if you want to, pray for some of the other work that you know of missionary that you're supporting here or that you're particularly um, close to. For us in particular, we'd appreciate if it's possible to pray for, for the Christian lawyers in Uganda who are working within a corrupt system. How they can be salt and light. It's so easy to be drawn into the corruption. To get your file, even to reach the desk of, 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 the, of the clerk, you just have to pay a bribe for that. And the Ugandan Christian lawyers say, we're going to be different, we're not going to do that. That means often that it's hard to then get justice for the guy you're supposed to be representing. So please pray for the Christian lawyers, they will stand firm in their faith and be different. They wouldn't be like the people in Amos's time. Please pray for the ongoing work that's going on right now as we speak, even today and tomorrow in the courts and in the schools in Kasesi. Thinking particularly about Solomon, who's working by himself just now, some of the education uh, committees. One thing we're going to think about just before we finish is the problem of unity amongst churches. It happens in our country and it happens in Kasesi. It's probably the hardest thing we have to cope with. Churches fighting, leaders fighting, often openly in front of us. And us being called, not necessarily trained particularly in this area, to come and mediate some of these situations. So please pray for us for wisdom for that. But more importantly, that Christian brothers and sisters we just see each other as part of the body of Christ. And the last thing to pray for, something we're going to finish about at the end, is to pray for each one of us, ourselves, perhaps people at your table. I know some of the people are going, I mean, next year's got a gap year going overseas, some of you might be doing similar things. It's just to pray that God would show us how we can use the gifts that he has given us to serve him in a mission context. Now that might be here in East Oxford, in our schools or our universities or in our workplace, or it might mean cross-culturally going overseas. So as you feel led by the Spirit, don't have to stick to these prayer points, let's just take four or five minutes to pray about some of the issues we discussed this evening to do with mission. Christ has come into the body, 
that mission will happen. When we begin to recognize the one that we serve, then mission will happen. Verses 14 25 of this passage, as you saw on the, on the video clip there, talks about how we all have different roles to fulfill in the body of Christ. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are faces, some of us are the heels of the foot, perhaps, or the, or the ears, as he talks about in that passage there. But all of us are praying, playing an important role in mission. But that's praying here, back in East Oxford, who work overseas, whether it's sending people, whether it's supporting people like Emily, who are going out this, uh, this, this summer to another part of the world or actually doing mission around us here in the community. We can all play a part in mission. When we recognize the position we have within the body. But also in the sense that perhaps some of us are not fulfilling the things that we were called to do. And this passage tells us we have a purpose as well in the body of Christ. That is to suffer on those who are suffering and also to honor those who are being honored. Or another way of looking at it is to rejoice in the work that, that God is doing in the world just now. We're, we're seeing an outpouring of God's Spirit. We're seeing people turn to Christ that we've never seen before at any time in history. And that's something to be really excited about. And that's something to rejoice in. And that's something that we all need to play a part in as we serve God as part of the body of Christ. Verse 27, chapter 12 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And we all have a role to play. So if you are thinking about some sort of cross-cultural mission, we just encourage you to pursue that. We're very happy to discuss with people our own journey, how we came to the decision to go overseas. If you're doing mission here at East Oxford, we can just say, fantastic, please carry on doing that. We encourage you to share the good news about Jesus with others. Again, the service will be standing at the back next to the, the mission stall. Um, there's a number of things you can take away there for free, some magazines or some that you can subscribe to as well. There's also a DVD that tells you the opportunities that you can get involved in uh, with mission. But I want to just end by singing a song that we've really listened to this evening, uh, a song that we listened to right at the beginning, about thinking about being sent out. Sent out from this building, perhaps as far as the next street for a new mission, or perhaps going further overseas through cross-cultural mission. So let's, uh, as we stand together, we'll sing this last song, thinking about the God of justice, the saviour of all, who came to rescue the weak and the poor, but also thinking about how we might respond to that. We'll stand to see.